begin our lesson in the book of Romans and in the first chapter verse 1 Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome beloved of God called to be saints grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We are going to cover the first 17 verses of the first chapter of the book of Romans, a tremendous book in the Word of God, and the uh, Apostle Paul is the writer of it, and it is written in verse 7 to the church that is in Rome called Saints. Uh, these book, this book, particular book was not written to the unbelieving world, but it was written to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells me that Paul is the writer of this book. And so he begins this letter in the first chapter, in verse 7. He said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul had never been to Rome before. He was not the founder of the church in Rome. The apostle Peter neither went to Rome nor was the founder of this church in Rome. So we're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church here. We are talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, born-again believers in the city of Rome. And there was approximately 4 million people that lived in the city of Rome, the capital city of the ancient Roman Empire, and a large number of those people in the Roman uh, empire in the city of Rome were Gentiles. In verse 13, the Bible tells us that Paul 
his desire was to go to this city of Rome to be fruitful among uh, the Gentiles that were in that city. And, and it, because it was such a largely populated city with Gentiles, then he, as the apostle to the Gentiles, would have a desire to be able to go to this large Gentile city and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, you'll see that the apostle Paul went out throughout uh, the book of Acts, you will see him preaching to the Jews first, and then uh, the gospel having been rejected by the Jews, then he would turn to the Gentiles and bring the gospel to them. And then finally in Acts 28, 28, Scripture lets us know that uh, the Jews having rejected this gospel, that, that it would go uh, to the Gentiles. And the church as a whole, uh, although at the first, the beginning, uh, approximately first 10 years of the book of Acts these were Jewish people that were in the church uh, in Acts the 10th chapter Cornelius a Gentile believer comes into the church a Roman centurion comes into the church and then from that point the church would begin to be mostly made up of Gentile believers and when you say Gentile you are talking about uh, the other nations of the world that are not Israelite or, or not Jewish. So all other nations of the world would be considered a Gentile uh, and according to the Scripture. Now, the Bible tells us the Apostle Paul, now having become an apostle to the Gentiles, desires to preach the gospel, which he has never done in the city of Rome. If the apostles themselves were not the ones who founded this church, the, uh, the church most likely began after the day of Pentecost when believers who were there on the day of Pentecost and had gone on and been filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, some among the 3,000 that were saved the first day of the church age, they went into the city of Rome and they established a church. Well, they were the church and went to the city of Rome and the church just began to grow there and now as a result of a church being in the city this apostle the apostle Paul has a desire to go and preach the gospel to them and so he writes them this letter letting them know that his intentions and his his uh, plans and his purpose is that he uh, will someday go to the city of Rome and preach to this large city this letter was written approximately 57 AD uh, it was written from Corinth the uh, city of Corinth while he was there you can see in the book of Acts uh, that he started a church in Corinth and from there he wrote this letter to the Roman church and he sent it to this church uh, by a, la a lady uh, whose name was Phoebe and Phoebe according to the scripture was a deaconess and so she traveled from the city of Corinth over to Rome and carried this letter that the Apostle Paul had written under the inspiration of the Spirit of the Living God. Not knowing that the, the letter that she carried was probably the greatest letter that has ever been written uh, in this earth. Uh, she carried it over to the Roman church and from there the church would recognize the Apostle Paul's desire to preach the gospel uh, to these people. So we start out in uh, the first chapter again in verse 1. It tells us Paul. And notice there that it is Paul and not Saul. Now Saul was his Jewish name and Paul was his Roman name. And because he is an apostle to the Gentiles, 
now he is going to preach the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. And so he uses his Roman name, his Gentile name, in order to be recognized as an apostle to the Gentiles. He calls himself here by that name, Paul, and that name means little. And no doubt because of his little, little stature, his little physique, his little body, the Bible says that his speech was contemptible in the book of Corinthians. So when he was uh, small, they named him most likely for these characteristics. They called him Paul Little, though he was big in God. He was very powerful in God, though little in stature. The scripture tells us that he is a servant of Jesus Christ, a slave of Jesus Christ. In the Roman Empire itself, there were slaves, there were servants to the emperors of Rome. But the Apostle Paul says that he is a slave of Jesus Christ, that he is a servant, that he is the slave to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise God. He's a love slave of, of the king. And the Bible tells us that he is called an apostle. He was called by God an apostle. Not to be an apostle. The words to be are an italicized. Uh, and every time in the word of God when you have italicized words, you can omit them. And they should not change the meaning of the passage of scripture when you leave them in. So he is called an apostle. And he is separated unto the gospel of God. Not called to be an apostle. He wasn't going to be an apostle, but he was called an apostle. He was an apostle at that time. An apostle is a person who has a message. He is an ambassador. He is one who represents another kingdom, another country. And he goes from the particular country that he is in representing and he goes to the other kingdoms of the world with a message and as an ambassador and as a representative of the kingdom uh, that he has gone from he goes there with a, a message and so he calls himself an apostle so he is an apostle he's an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ he represents the kingdom of God he represents the king himself Jesus and he's taken them a message he has sent out with a message, and that message is the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is to take this as a representative and ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is to take it to the world. And so he is called an apostle. He is separated unto the gospel of God, is set apart. At one time he was a Pharisee. He was, uh, Pharisee means separate one, and he was separated unto his particular belief system uh, called the denomination basically of the Pharisees and so now he is no longer a Pharisee but he is set apart separated unto the gospel of God the good news of God and notice that the gospel originates in God and therefore because it is heaven heavenly it is good news really no true good news is or all true good news comes from heaven. So then the scripture tells us that he promised this gospel by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Um, this gospel, it was not something that was new, but it was something that was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. And Paul wanted the Roman church to be sure and understand that this was not new 
news that he was bringing that it was prophesied in the word of God for example the good news of God the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ the scripture gives us Isaiah 7 that he was going to be virgin born Isaiah 53 tells us that he was going to be crucified Psalm 16 tells us he was going to be buried and resurrected from the dead and then Jeremiah 31 it is told us there that there would be a new covenant that would come into existence by this this gospel and by the Lord Jesus Christ and then in Joel chapter 2 we're told that the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh so this was something that the Old Testament prophets uh, saw so we understand that this is not something that is new in the sense that it that it was not known it was not it was known and prophesied by the prophets the Word of God tells us that the prophecies were concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh so the Word of God all the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ most every book every book in the Old Testament is about Jesus Christ it presents him some way most likely every chapter deals with the Lord Jesus Christ and if you had this spiritual insight most every scripture no doubt would be presenting Jesus Christ in some way so the Word of God in the Old Testament is dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord the scripture tells us that he is Jesus which means Jehovah salvation so in the name of Jesus we have the dual nature of Jesus himself we see that he is God Jehovah and he has become our salvation by becoming a man and dying on a cross for us so we have the dual nature when you say Jesus you're saying that Jesus is God come in the flesh and then you have Christ is his title Christ is not his last name Christ means anointed one or Christ means Messiah and as a man he was anointed by the Holy Ghost the body that God indwelt was known as the Christ the anointed flesh of Jesus Christ or the Messiah so he is called Jesus his title is Christ and he is our Lord capital L small letters following that means that he is Adonai he is he is the master he is the owner of all and therefore that's why Paul could say that he was a servant of Jesus Christ because he understood that the Lord owned everything and that he was the master of the universe and the owner of the universe and therefore he claimed to be a servant a slave and that he was not his own but he was God's and that everything that he had was God's and not his own so he recognized that Jesus uh, God manifest in the flesh was the Messiah and then he says our Lord he's the owner he's the master and Lord in that name implies the need for submission bowing in servitude to him and recognizing that he is Lord that he's not just Savior but that he is Lord that he is the one who's in charge he's the one that calls the shots in our lives and uh, we should look to him to be the Lord the master of our lives so who we see here in this Bible in the book of Romans that he is this son of God that he is Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh so right off we find out that Paul stresses the humanity 
of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the flesh he was of the seed of David so he in the flesh according to the seed of David had a right to rule upon the earth not did not only as God does he have a right to rule in heaven but as the seed of David and humanity he has a right to rule on the throne the the throne of David so he is king of heaven and earth by reason of the fact that he is God and he is humanity in his humanity he bridges the gap between uh, heaven and earth he bridges the gap between man and God he is the ladder of Jacob in the Old Testament that brings man and God back together and the only way he could do that is by him by God himself becoming a man and bridging that gap between God and humanity praise the Lord so we see the importance of this scripture coming to us here that he is made of the seed of David according to the flesh and then verse 4 says he is declared or showed forth to be or is the son of God with power so we have his deity there so we have the dual nature of Jesus Christ presented in the word of God here in the book of Romans right from the start that he is declared to be the son of God he, when you say son of God you're talking about his deity he is God the Bible said he is declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead so we see in these verses of scripture that he is God manifest in the flesh he is virgin born because he is the son of God and he is resurrected from the dead and when he came out of the grave then that declared that he was who he claimed to be that he was the son of God that that he was who he said he was when he walked out of the grave he was resurrected by the power of God and that declared or that showed forth what he claimed to be was correct and because he is resurrected from the dead then he is available to all to everybody the whole all the Gentiles all the nations of the world to the Jew first to the Greek he is available to all because he's resurrected from the dead he's not in the grave then in verse 5 it says by whom we have received grace and apostleship grace and apostleship grace is the unmerited favor of God grace is God's riches at Christ's expense and so he says through Jesus Christ Paul said we have received grace the unmerited favor of God and then he says we have also himself speaking received an apostleship it takes the grace of God to be an apostle takes the grace of God to be a minister takes the call of God to be an apostle or a minister it also takes the grace of God to be a saint of God because you cannot have the favor of God without him accomplishing it for you and making it available to you and that's through his death burial and resurrection from the dead and the scripture says this we have received grace and apostleship why for obedience to the faith without obedience faith is not true faith obedience and faith to go together when you say that you have faith and you do not obey the word of God then you do not have living faith but obedient faith is living faith but faith without works is dead so faith will always be seen in obedience then the Bible says among all nations for everybody it's, he's available to everybody and the scripture says the motivation for Paul to go out and preach that gospel 
and fulfill his apostleship and be obedient to the faith. The motivation for that is the name of Jesus Christ. It says for his name. That's the motivation. The name which is above every name. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. And so it was for the name of Jesus that he did these things. He understood how wonderful the name of Jesus was. He understood that God himself had become flesh and, and shed his blood and by the name of Jesus that we could be saved. And so the name of Jesus motivated him to travel over 1,200 miles in his earthly ministry. He traveled by sea. He traveled by land. He, he traveled over mountains and all kinds of rough areas of the world and was persecuted. And what motivated him to do that was the name of Jesus Christ. He knew it was a saving name. It was also precious to him personally because it had been revealed to him in Acts chapter 9 that the one that he was persecuting before, when he was persecuting the church, he said that it was Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And so that name was precious to him. And at one point, he was persecuting the name of Jesus. He was persecuting the Lord himself. But now that name has become precious to him. And he's presenting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere he goes to the lost of the world. Verse 6 says, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? He said to the church in the city of Rome, You are the called of Jesus Christ. You have the name of Jesus Christ. I've been called by the name of Jesus, he says. Acts twenty two sixteen. He had the name of Jesus called over him in water baptism. And now he's preaching the name of Jesus Christ wherever he goes. And he says, you saints in the, in the city of Rome, the church in Rome, have been called by that name also. He said, among whom all you are also called of Jesus Christ. You see, they were in Christ. They were born-again believers. And the scripture says, to all that be in Rome. They are in Rome, but they are in Christ. To be in Rome and in Christ, there were two environments. There was the environment of their world that was full of trouble and pressure, persecution, problems. All of these things were in the environment of Rome. They were in Rome. But Paul wanted them to remember that they were not only in Rome going through all these difficulties but they were in Christ the world seeks to squeeze us into its mold Romans 12 talks about the world itself trying to squeeze us into its mold because there are two worlds there are two systems there is a world that's in Adam and there is a world that is in Christ the world that is in Adam the first Adam is a world that is lost without God then there's the world that is in Christ, the redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these two worlds, these two systems are in, in opposition. And so he's letting them know that they're in Rome. They have the environment of Rome, but they are also in Christ. And because they're in Christ, they can be victorious in this world. Then he says, beloved of God, he said, called and the word there, to be saints, italicized, to be saints, take to be out because they're not going to be saints. They are not going to be saints when they die, but they are presently saints. And a saint is somebody who is set apart uh, for God. So it says, to all that are in Rome, beloved of God, called saints. The, 
God has set you apart unto himself. He has set you apart from sin. He set you apart from darkness. He set you apart from wrath. He set you apart from Satan. He set you apart from the, from the first Adam. He sets you from apart from the, the old, the law, because the law condemned every one of us. And so He set us apart from the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so we're set apart to God in a new, a new system. And Jesus came into this world. He was born under the law, but He came in this world, and He is the new way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the new system. And so he came in this world to redeem us and set us apart unto himself. So we're simply set apart to God. We belong to God. He's saying, the church in Rome, you belong to God. You're set apart by God. You're redeemed by God. And you're set apart from all of those things unto himself. The Bible says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. And notice that you have to have grace before you can have peace. Because true peace is only the peace of God. But you can't have the peace of God without the grace of God. The favor of God. And so as long as we have the favor of God, God will give us His peace. Then He said, And the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So they're in the world, but they're not of the world. Surrounded by the pressures of the world, the pressures of life, and the problems of life. But not only in Rome, but in Christ. Redeemed and saved into a new kingdom. Set apart for His, his purpose. In verse 8, the Bible says, First, I thank my God, through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. The first thing He wants to address to this Roman church is this. He says, I thank my God. That's the first thing. He is a worshiper. He's a praiser. He constantly is thanking God for the work of God and for the people of God. And he says, the first thing I'm going to do, not the second or the third, but the first thing I'm going to do is that I'm going to thank my God. He called God his God. The, only a Christian can say, my God. The world can't say, my God. The world can say, God. But the world can never say, my God. And Paul is saying, he is my God. Only a Christian can say that. And he says, through Jesus Christ, he said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You're like a city that's set on a hill. There's the city of Rome that you're living inside of with all of its, its opposition. And then you're like a city within a city. You're the church of the living God, a city set on a hill. A city with a testimony, a city with a witness uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that you're a part of another kingdom. And so Paul is telling them that your faith, this faith that you have in the Lord Jesus, this trust that you have in Him, this, this walk with God that you have through Jesus Christ, that it is spoken of throughout the whole world, that it is known by the world. And again, there's two systems. It, when you say the whole world, you could be talking about the world in Adam. Even the unbeliever could, would know about this church. They've heard about this church because of the faith, the tremendous faith that is in this church. And then there's the world of the church, the world of Christianity. They knew about this church, that it was a faithful church. And this faith had been demonstrated in their lives. It wasn't something that was secret, but it was something that could be seen. Amen. Like... A light shining in a dark place. A city set on a hill, not hidden. And so because of their faithfulness and 
it's important for us that we have a reputation of being faithful to God that people in this world they know about the church they know about you individually what kind of reputation do you have what kind of reputation do I have is it a reputation of a of a person who loves God who loves his word who loves his kingdom who loves his work who serves God is that the kind of reputation that we have are we people of faith and so this church here in Rome with all the opposition that it faced was a city set on a hill faithful to God and was known by the whole world the Bible says the world the then known world of his day verse 9 says for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit he said God knows what I'm all about he knows about my motivation he knows about why I'm doing what I'm doing when I'm preaching this gospel he knows my heart he knows and he is my witness that I serve him with my spirit in the gospel of his son and that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers so he wanted them to, the church in Rome to know first of all before he came to them that he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ he was committed to God continually without ceasing he says he, he was uh, making mention of them in prayer so that they would be endeared to him and he was demonstrating he was showing his true salvation here he was a man of, of praise verse 8 he was a man of of service to God he without ceasing committed himself to the work of God and he said I'm continually praying for you having never seen you he said I've been praying for you and then verse 10 he says making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you he wanted to come to them he wanted to preach to them he wanted to preach in the city that was his plan that was his purpose that was his desire but he said it would have to be according to the will of God there were times when Paul planned things in his life and in his ministry and he purposed to do things that God would not allow him to do and so now he says my desire my plan my purpose is to go and preach to you in Rome but it has to be according to the will of God maybe there's things in our lives that we plan and we purpose and we we want to do even for God but if it's not in the will of God then we, we should not try to accomplish those things we want to be in the will of God where we are and what we're doing should be in the will of God in verse 11 he said, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. He's not talking about giving them a gift of the Spirit, such as prophecy or tongues or interpretation of tongues, one of the gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, wisdom, miracles. He's not talking about uh, laying hands on them and imparting some type of spiritual gift to them. What he's talking about, that the gift that he has been given by God this gift of apostleship this this gift of of preaching the gospel of teaching the gospel to these people to give them a greater understanding of their salvation that is his desire that he go be able to preach to them uh, so that they would be established in the faith and understand the truth 
So therefore, in verse 12, he says, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both you and me. He's saying, I'm not just coming and I'm not just expecting to give something to you. He said, I, I believe that whenever I come to you and I preach to you, if it's in the will of God, he said that your faith uh, is going to also strengthen me. And so I will be blessed by you and you will be blessed by me and we will both be strengthened. Uh, through, through, the, through what God is doing. In verse 13 he says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you. In the past he had desired to go. He had planned. But the Bible says, But he was let hitherto. God with, stopped him from uh, being able to go to the city of Rome. He said that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles that's his desire the Gentiles reaching the Gentiles and because there was a large population of Gentiles he desired to go there also approximately 11 synagogues were there Jewish synagogues were there so he wanted to preach this gospel to this large city he said in verse 14 he said I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and to the unwise to be a debtor means that you are you have an obligation and a responsibility to somebody and that and he said that he was a debtor that he was responsible that he had an obligation to everyone to preach this gospel so that he could bear fruit he felt like a debtor because God had saved him and God had forgiven him and God had redeemed him and therefore how could he hold back this great salvation that he has experienced in his own life without sharing it with everybody that he comes in contact. He said both to the Greeks, that is the Greek speaking, that's the intelligent, that's the civilized people of that day. And he said also to the barbarians, the uncivilized, the non-Greek speaking peoples. Uh, so what he's basically saying all the way to the top, the, uh, the intelligence, all these people on down to, to the person that is not civilized he said I have an obligation I'm a debtor and they're my creditors and I owe them a moral obligation to preach the gospel to them and tell them how to be saved verse 15 says so as much as in me as I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome I'm going to preach this gospel the gospel the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ the gospel is good news it's not good advice it's good news and so he tells them, I want to preach this news to you in Rome also. Because you are my creditor and I am your debtor. When we look at Paul and he says that, we need to also understand the same thing in our life. That we're debtors to people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to reach out to them and share the gospel with them that they might be saved. He says in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, I want to go, I want to go even into the city of Rome, where there is military power, there's military strength there, there is Caesar worship there. He said, I want to go into that city in the midst of all of that and he said I am not ashamed when I bring the gospel I'm not ashamed of it 
There are times when we might be ashamed of ourselves, but we should never be ashamed of God and never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, because it is the power of God and the salvation. When you take that message, you take that good news, people who hear it, he, people who believe it, people who obey it, it saves them. It, it, it cleanses their sins. It removes their sins. It puts them into the kingdom of God. It redeems them. And he said, I'm not ashamed to preach that gospel. It is so powerful that it will reach and save even the lost. He said, it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Some people are ashamed of the gospel or Jesus Christ. Uh, intellectual shame. They think about people who have intellectual accomplishments in life. And they, they are sometimes afraid or ashamed to share the, the word or share the Lord with people who are educated. But the word of God should be preached to everyone, to the educated, to the intelligent and then some people are ashamed of the gospel for social reasons. The Bible says that not many wise are called, not many mighty are called. Those that rely upon uh, social strata, social position, many of those people are not called. But the Bible says we shouldn't be ashamed of, of, of social, of the social positions of people. We should preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. The Word of God tells us there are some people who are ashamed of the gospel for moral reasons because it will, it will demand a separation from sin. It will demand a change in your life. It will demand godliness. It will demand holiness. It will demand service. And because of the moral obligation that the gospel brings some people are ashamed of the gospel when people look at our lives and and we seek to please and live or seek to live for God and the people in the world are not living that way we shouldn't be ashamed of of the gospel that we proclaim to believe so I said for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is power it brings the power of God Whenever you preach the gospel, it brings the power of God. And the scripture says that it saves those who believe it. The gospel, the news, is demonstrated by what it does. And when, you, when we preach the gospel to the lost, the power of God, the saving power of God, is at work. In the Old Testament, we, we see the creative power of God when He spoke the worlds into, cre uh, into existence. But in the Gospel, we see this is the power of God. The good news is the power of God in saving people. It's really a greater miracle than even creation when God redeems and saves a person. The Bible says that it is the good news. And it demonstrates, the good news demonstrates by what it does. In Acts 2 the scripture tells us the apostles went out and preached it. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the good news. And then the Bible tells us, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he preached the message. He preached the gospel. 
those that believed it and, and obeyed the gospel were saved and brought into the kingdom of God. So we can see throughout the book of Acts, we can see how these apostles went from city to city and country to country preaching this gospel. And we saw the multitudes of people who believed it, heard it, and obeyed it were saved and brought into this kingdom of God. Romans 6 tells us in there that it's by obeying the truth, not only hearing it, but obeying it. In verse 17, he says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So by obeying the doctrine that was delivered them, the apostles' doctrine, then they were delivered and set free from the power of sin through the power of the gospel. Verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. We see that God's plan is showed in this gospel. And the righteousness is of God. It's not of us. It's not self-righteousness. But it's the righteousnesses of God. The righteousness of God. It's being right with God. It's When we talk about being righteous, we're talking about God puts us in a position of being right with Him. Uh, by his plan and that plan is the gospel it's the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our obedience to that gospel will put us in a right standing with God he puts us in that right standing because we hear believe and obey the gospel and it says for therein is the righteousness of God it's of God reveal from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So it's the way that we obtain this righteousness is through faith. Or trusting in the good news. Trusting the gospel. Obeying the gospel. And that is what he works through to make us right in his eyes. Many, many times people when they see different revelations of truth in the word of God. They try to make a denomination out of it they have a new revelation that somebody else may not have and so they decide to make a religion out of it or make a denomination out of, it, out of it but the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation and whenever we have been redeemed by the word of God we have been filled with his spirit we have experienced the power of redemption in our own lives and we don't want to become religious. We want to become saved. And we want to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. And many times the redeemed of the Lord, those who have been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, sometimes seek to, be, seek to become religious once they've experienced that. But that is not the purpose of God. The purpose of God, the plan of God, is that my, we might re, be redeemed by the gospel and it is the power of God and his salvation. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I can take it anywhere and go any place with it at any time. And the gospel is powerful enough to reach the lost. The gospel is all that is needed for the lost to be saved. If they will hear it and believe it and obey it, they will be redeemed by the power of God. So no wonder Paul 
was excited about the opportunity to go and preach the gospel in this city of Rome, that many, many people would be converted and brought into the kingdom of God. Many Roman soldiers would be converted. The common men would be converted. And whoever that he preached this gospel to that believed it would be converted because it is the power of God. And he was showing them how that a new system, a new world had come in. Jesus Christ came into the old world and with the old covenant there. And he brought a new thing. He brought a new system, a new way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he, as an apostle, an ambassador of this kingdom, is showing people in the city of Rome how that they can, although being in the city of Rome, can also be in Christ at the same time and in the kingdom of God, a city within a city. And that they too could take this gospel and preach it anywhere and everywhere that they went without intimidation or feeling inferior in anybody's presence, whether they be intellectuals or whether uh, they, they be social uh, uh, people or whether they be uh, people who do not uh, look to morality. He said you can go in any person's life and you can preach this message and it is the power of God and the salvation. It will save. It will redeem. It will set free. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we thank you right now for your precious word. We thank you. We pray, O oh God, that this message, Lord God, wherever it's heard, that you would use it, God, to instruct many. That they might know, God, that all they must do is believe, is hear the word of God and believe the gospel. And they'll be saved, Lord Jesus that they would believe that you died for them on a cross. You shed your blood for them, Lord God, and you poured out your Spirit on the day of Pentecost to indwell us. And Lord Jesus, if they would just simply believe that what you have done on the cross was for them and that you're alive today, and they would obey it by applying it to their life according to the book of Acts and Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. God, that they could also be redeemed by the power of the gospel. And it doesn't matter where they are. Apostle Paul, who, who wrote this letter to the Roman church with a desire to preach this gospel wherever he went. And understanding that he was in the kingdom of God. And understanding that he had a message that would save and redeem people. And knowing who you were. And Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor today for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Amen. There are a lot of people today who trust in works for salvation. And because they believe that they're doing one more thing than you are doing in their life in the area of personal conviction, that that makes them better than you but it does not make them better than you we are saved by the power of the gospel through what Jesus Christ has done he makes us righteous it is God's righteousness and because we have been made righteous we seek to live a righteous life because we are right with God we want to live for him amen